You know, I was thumbing through Twitter the other day and I saw a quote where it kind of got my attention. And it said that Auburn fans got to see Saturday what they always desperately wanted. And that is Lane Kiffin winning a game at Jordan-Hare Stadium. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Also, the Rebels play the Vanderbilt Commodores Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. It's a chance to listen to David Kellum and the Rebels' hometown crew as Ole Miss looks to continue their run. Catch every play of the Rebels' home team broadcast with SiriusXM on Channel 190 or the SXM app, searching Ole Miss Rebels. The Locked On Ole Miss podcast is there as well. Hello, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast, and I hope everybody is having a fantastic Monday, or at least as good of a Monday as it will be. Hey, just a reminder, everybody go to prizepicks.com slash college and use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Again, prizepicks.com slash college. Use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. All right. What did we learn from this game? And this is something we're going to put up right here. This is, this is kind of the bullet points of what we're going to talk about. Jackson Dart is becoming like a Mr. Fourth Quarter for Ole Miss football, kind of a Mr. October type personality. Ole Miss's team in the fourth quarter is unbelievably good, and a lot of it comes from this kid making absolutely every play he needs to make in that situation. There's been exactly one time this year where it didn't happen, it didn't work for whatever reason, and that was on the road in Tuscaloosa. The one team on Ole Miss's schedule other than Georgia that Ole Miss is going to have trouble out-talenting. Against Auburn, they could just line up and out-talent Auburn. They can do that with Tulane and several other opponents on their schedule, but they cannot could not do that against Alabama, and they won't be able to do that potentially against Georgia. But Jackson Dart has shown that if you give him an opportunity moving forward, he makes plays. He does what is necessary. Second of all, we're going to talk about Pete Golding and what he's building on the defensive side of the ball and why that is special. This is an explosive unit that is beyond anything that Ole Miss has seen probably in the last 15 years. And third of all, we're going to mention that Auburn has so many offensive problems. I don't know if they're going to be competitive in 2024. This is an Iowa-type situation they're going through right now. Um, T's and P's for everybody on the Plains. But that Auburn scheme, it looked terrible. It was one of those situations, literally. The Mississippi State-Arkansas game, I thought that was the worst football game that ever I saw in offensive football. And now after that Auburn game, I was like, eh, I, I don't know. I don't know. So it's interesting there. So Jackson Dart, big-time quarterback, big-time player. And, and I'm at the point where – Jackson Dart's ceiling is higher than Matt Corral's. The only ceiling of an Ole Miss quarterback that is higher than Jackson Dart's ceiling is Eli Manning, period. When Jackson Dart is absolutely at his best, he's better than Matt Corral. Now, his floor might be a little bit below 
there's a situation whenever they go through lulls, it kind of affects them. I don't remember that so much with Matt Corral. So the floor might be a little bit lower than Matt as well. But the ceiling is unquestionably higher because this offense looks different when Jackson's go- going. You look at the first quarter whenever they're going off script, which, by the way, the script makers, Charlie Weiss and Lane Kiffin, they do a fantastic job. And you can see that with the quick starts that are almost getting off to. I think Ole Miss is outscoring opponents somewhere in the neighborhood of like 90 to 30 in the first quarter. This game, as talented as this Ole Miss football team is, they're making it even more so by getting off the fast starts. Now, Ole Miss struggles a little bit in the second and third quarter. The middle eight minutes of the half, you know, the start of the second half, the end of the first half, that's kind of a problem area right now for Ole Miss football. And that is the area where Ole Miss can get better. But the first and the fourth quarter, there's probably not another team in college football that's better than the Ole Miss Rebels, period. I will put them up against absolutely everybody. And this is with Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart was only 10 of 17, 202 yards. He had a touchdown and a pick. His interception, um, I always say what caused the interception, like the Alabama was just kind of him playing hero ball. The two-lane game was because a receiver slipped. That This one was on a poor pass to Zakari Franklin that got tipped up because Zakari was trying to make a play. If Zakari would have just let it flown in complete and not touched it, it wasn't going to be caught by anybody and they would have lived to play another day. But it was a little bit of bad luck there, but it was a bad pass by Jackson. Somewhere in the second quarter, Alabama – or not Alabama, Auburn intercepted the pass had like a 50-yard return, had 24 yards to go for a tying touchdown. And honestly, that was the only way that this Auburn team was going to score. You had an explosive play with Jarquez Hunter where a tackle got broken. It happens. Explosives get given up from time to time. And you had a turnover to where they had an extreme short field. This Auburn team was not going to be able to drive 90 yards on you. They just weren't. Heck. I don't know if they'd be able to drive 50 yards on you. But Jackson Dart recovered from that. And in the second and third quarter, it looked like this offense struggled a little bit. There was almost no plan B where they got into the rut of a run on first down, a run on second down, and a pass on third and long because Auburn was doing the thing where you engage eight, blitz everybody, and try to get as much pressure in Jackson's face is humanly possible. And that that was working because, honestly, you have a situation to where they needed to throw the ball on first down. They need to run the ball on third down. And it doesn't make sense, but this Ole Miss offense is in a better case than it normally is whenever it runs the ball on third and eight, especially knowing that they're probably going to go for it anyway, which might – drive me absolutely bonkers, but okay. And when you throw the ball on first down, you get these big chunk plays. And and part of the struggles that I think Ole Miss is having on third down this year, and it's actually fairly simple. It's not an execution thing or anything like that. It's that on first and second down, they got themselves in trouble via a penalty or um, a couple of incomplete passes to where it's third and 10, you're well behind the chains, and all of a sudden the defense can do some exotic stuff to cause you some problems. That's why Ole Miss is not doing well on third down. They're doing well on first and second down, and those are probably the two downs that Ole Miss needs to um, honestly focus on moving forward. 
Because this offense, whenever it gets going, we saw it against LSU. We saw it 700 yards, 55 points. LSU just about quit defensively. Ole Miss in two minutes, there was two minutes to go in the game. Ole Miss went 89 yards for a touchdown in like a minute and 15 seconds, most of which was on the ground. Yeah. It was that was a game that showed you exactly what this offense could do. Absolutely. Um, Trey Harris played a little slot receiver against Auburn. That was interesting. Um, Zachary Franklin had his first touchdown catch. That was interesting. Um, you saw a lot of Braylon Brown. You saw some Aiden Williams. You saw different weapons on the outside, and I was glad to see that as well. Caden Prescorn had a couple of big catches, and one of the big things that happened in this football was that Quinshawn Judkins kind of got loose a little bit. He looked like himself, and, and we all knew that would happen because Auburn, this is the probably the last chance that Quinshawn Judkins is going to have to going to get to play against his hometown school. And for those who don't know, Quinshawn is from Pike Road, Alabama, 55 miles up the road from Auburn. This was the game. Auburn, many people say, fumbled his recruitment or something happened. The fact of the matter is he made it to Ole Miss. And this was a guy that you saw in the first series was extremely motivated in the game. And when he is motivated and when he is on, he's going to be a handful for whoever you're going up against as well. Interesting. But the clutch gene candidates for this Ole Miss offense, you, you would expect it would be a Jackson Dart and Quinshawn Judkins train, and that, that's what it was against Auburn. But Jackson Dart absolutely has that clutch gene. Absolutely has that clutch gene. You go back and think about the two-line game, the pass on fourth down where two-line did everything right to where it, where they honestly should stack the quarterback. Jackson Dart throws a touchdown pass from like 30 yards out. You look at him against LSU, down nine points with five minutes to go in the game. You look at him against Arkansas, down in the fourth quarter. You look at him against Auburn. Um, I think it was 21-14 to 14 in the fourth quarter, but we'll, we'll go ahead and start the clock a little bit late in the third quarter because either the last or next to last play or something like that, Ole Miss scored to make it 21-14. This guy, when all of the pressure is on, when all of the pressure is on, he makes play after play after play. It is at the point, it is at the point where we need to start seriously considering put him putting him on a Mount Rushmore of Ole Miss football. I think Eli is the number one. I don't know if a quarterback's ever come through Ole Miss that is better than Eli. I know some younger player, people like Chad Kelly and really young people like Matt Corral. I think Jackson Dart's ceiling is higher than Matt Corral. I think... Jackson Dart is a better quarterback than Chad Kelly. I think that other than Eli Manning, Eli freaking Manning, Jackson Dart might be the best quarterback that has ever played at the University of Mississippi. Hey, opinions are going to vary as different things, but that is the trajectory that Jackson Dart is on. And if Ole Miss wins 11 games this season, Jackson Dart's number two, no questions asked. It's not even a question on the Mount Rushmore stuff. Jackson Dart, if he comes back for his senior year and he plays quarterback for three years at Ole Miss, will be the career passing leader at Ole Miss, the career total offense leader at Ole Miss, and the career rushing by a quarterback leader at Ole Miss. 
it will be territory that people have not seen at Ole Miss. And I think people need to enjoy and appreciate exactly what they have because Jackson has a chance to be special and take Ole Miss to extremely special special places. Now is the time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Pete Golding, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game, just like Pete Golding changed that Ole Miss's defense to something formidable from whatever it was. This week's Game Changer, though, is Jackson Dart, who was able to elevate his old offense in the fourth quarter as Ole Miss got the victory over the Auburn Tigers and changed the game for Ole Miss football. Athletic Brewing makes non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. they got full flavor. They're well-crafted. They're just like a full-strength beer. Their brews are great-tasting and award-winning, and they beat out full-strength beers in gullible competitions. You can also find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you, or you can buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use the code LOCKEDON and get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. It's near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, college football season is here. And this season, the Locked On channel is kicking up our coverage with Locked On College Football Kickoff live each Friday. Locked On will go live at 11 a.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel, like this one. College Football Kickoff Live will cover playoff implications, the conference rivalry games, and go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts, covering their team every day. Yeah, just like me. Find Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You do not want to miss it. All right, we are doing our final push right now for 5,000 subscribers. And we've got stuff planned for when we hit 5,000 subscribers, 6,000 subscribers, and 7,000 subscribers. And I do recommend that everybody just go up there, mash that subscribe button, and become a member of the community. At 5,000, we are going to do a live stream weekly during the week. We don't know if it's going to be on Tuesday or Thursday, but we're going to do a live stream weekly where we basically just have our say of what's going on. It's just going to be a kind of a chat session, real similar to what our Discord live is. Um, This will be a YouTube version of that. So we're still trying to think of a name in that as well. So Ole Miss's defense and what Pete Golding has built has been special. Listen, Auburn does not have a good offense, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. They, they, They have a putrid offense. They have a terrible offense. But you are dealing with an Ole Miss defense that's in uncharted territories. It has been since 2009, 
since Ole Miss held back-to-back opponents to under 300 yards total offense in SEC games. You heard me right, 2009. That's, what, 14 years ago? Since Tyrone Nix and the original Land Sharks, literally the original Land Sharks, was the last time Ole Miss defense was as explosive as this unit has been. Giving up less than 300 yards to Arkansas, less than 300 yards to Auburn. Again, they're not juggernaut offenses, but Ole Miss has played not juggernaut offenses for the last 15 years, and they have not done this. But what makes this defense exceptional is they're getting to be to where they can handle the routine stuff fairly well. They're starting to turn over teams, and they make their bones on explosive plays. Okay? Right now, the rank is number five in the country, in the NCAA, in sacks with 25, and their TFL numbers at 47. That's eighth in the country. They're doing all right. They're going to be all right. And you're talking about a defensive unit on that that is designed to get after the quarterback. That's one of the strengths of this Ole Miss's team is getting after the quarterback. And they do that. Jared Ivey is up there at four sacks. There's, there's four or five players on Ole Miss's teams that's around four sacks. Lots of people that have TFLs. They play in the backfield. They're hyper-aggressive. And like I said, now they're starting to turn over the opponent. They had two picks, I think, against um, KJ Jefferson, and they picked off Auburn twice as well. We'll see what happens when A.J. Swan or Ken Seals or whoever comes into town this weekend, we're going to turn the page that in a little bit. But know how important it is to have an offense that is this explosive. Now, before we change gears, let's. I just want to talk about how putrid the Auburn offense looked. And a lot of that was how good the defense was, but a lot of it is they just have zero confidence, like I talked about through most of the last week. They had an explosive play where the guy scored from like 50 yards out on a run. That happens. It, you're going to do stuff like that. I mean, against Georgia, Peyton Thorne had like a 70-yard run. It, explosives can happen. And then Auburn scored whenever they picked off a pass and they had like a 24-yard short field. That was their 14 real points because I'm not counting the garbage time stuff. Other than that, until the garbage time, Auburn had like, in the neighborhood of 200 yards of offense. You're you're talking about an absolute clinic of shutting down a team. Auburn did not have hope of getting first downs and moving the ball. So that leads the question to me. And before we get into lines next week, I do want to ask this question. Does Auburn have an Iowa-like offense issue? Does Arkansas, who just fired their offensive coordinator, have an off- that offensive issue? Mississippi State, that's three teams in the SEC West with just absolutely horrible offenses. Would Iowa do all right favorably on an offensive skill match with the Auburn Tigers? That is the unique question that I'm kind of going off of. Before we put this episode or put this game to bed, Quinshawn Judkins is our Locked On Ole Miss Player of the Week. And in the polls this week, Ole Miss comes in at number 12 in the AP, number 11 in the coaches poll. Um, The college football playoff poll is getting ready to start. I'm not exactly sure which one, but 
we are at the ball at, at the point where if this was a 12 team playoff year, these would be some massive freaking football games. It's still going to be huge. I mean, if Ole Miss can win out, I don't think they're going to make it to Atlanta, but if they win out, you have a chance with your only loss being Alabama and you might get a rematch with them in the playoff. I don't know. Um, I, Ohio State, I feel like they're going to lose to Michigan potentially. I think Michigan might lose to Penn State. USC has a chance to beat Washington. Chaos could be about to happen. That is my point. So everybody needs to be wary and aware of what is going on in college football because the 2007 year on steroids, still a possibility to happen. I mean, Texas got lucky against Houston. Washington got lucky against one in five Arizona State at home. They might be fraudulent just like USC. We'll see when USC plays Washington um, and Oregon. I, I don't know. USC has a chance to do some damage now because they've lost twice. And I think Utah is going to get some people as well. So we'll see exactly how that goes. Um in the Pac-12 and in the playoff rankings moving forward. I do want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. And Prize Picks is the most fun that I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. Hey, you just select two players, two or more players, pick more or less than their projected stats and place your entry. Testing my skills on Prize Picks this football season is the most exciting way to play fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into 250 with just a few taps. Click, click. It was the game Saturday that went less than on all of them. Basically, if you picked a quarterback, it, it went down. I don't know what happened there, whether it was Peyton Thorne or Robbie Ashford or Jackson Dart. They did not perform very well because the defense dominated the day. But – Check it out for next week. Ole Miss has Vanderbilt. Hey, take a wide receiver if you look at historical. Ole Miss, um, Trey Harris is likely to have a big day. Um, I expect to see, you know, Dayton Wade have a big day. Quinshawn obviously is going to be the key against that defense. So we'll see what happens. But go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit matchup up to 100 bucks. Go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit matchup to 100 bucks, Daily sports made easy. Also, the Rebels play the Vanderbilt Commodores Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Central. This is a chance to listen to David Kellum and the Rebels' hometown crew as Ole Miss looks to continue their run. Catch every play of the Rebels' home team broadcast with SiriusXM on Channel 190 or on the SXM app searching Ole Miss Rebels. Like I said, the Locked On Ole Miss podcast is on that as well. Now, it's an interesting situation with lines this week. This is another short week. There's only five SEC games um, on the docket for the weekend. It gets a little bit bigger next week. I think there's eight next week, and then we move into, like, the craziness of mid-November. But if you look at the lines that are out there right now, South Carolina at Texas A&M, a 14-point underdog against the Aggies in College Station, Kind of interesting line. South Carolina is, they're spiraling a little bit at the moment. This this could be a good well game for Texas A&M. And yes, if you're an Ole Miss fan, it, it is happening at the wrong time. But I do think that Texas A&M can win this game fairly convincingly. South Carolina really struggled with Missouri. Their defense at the end played all right. But I mean, that game was over in a hurry. 
honestly. Georgia plays against Florida in Jacksonville. Georgia's a 17-point favorite. This is a game that Florida is, has their destiny completely in their own hands um, because I think Kentucky has lost a couple of times. So if Florida wins out, they control everything about their destiny. The problem is they're probably not as good as the Georgia Bulldogs. You have four and five stars everywhere. Georgia will be playing without Brock Bowers in this game, and this game always has a chance to get weird. Georgia, like I said, is currently a 17-point favorite. This is a pretty prolific offense, but can Florida run the ball? Can they mimic what Ray Davis and the Kentucky Wildcats did against the Florida Gators earlier this season? I do not know. In a game that is surely going to set offense back 30 years, just like the Mississippi State-Arkansas game did, Mississippi State is at Auburn, and Auburn is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And, Lord, I have no idea how that number is that high. I mean, how bad can Mississippi State be to where this number is a six-and-a-half-point line? If you look at it, Ole Miss was favored by six-and-a-half. So if you want to do transitive property, Ole Miss would be 13 points in an exact situation greater than Mississippi State. Um, I think State, under with Mike Wright, is going to play hard. They're going to play well. I, in, unless Auburn gets an identity on offense, they're kind of um, screwed, honestly. There's not a whole lot that they can do about it. But six and a half is weird. In an Auburn situation, that's almost too many points. If Mississippi State scores at all, let's say Mississippi State scores 10 points, do you have faith in Auburn to score 17? I mean, that's the question. In this situation, I'm, honestly, it's like you just take Mississippi State and the points, and that's probably the safest bet. Tennessee is a, a favorite by three and a half points on the road in Lexington, the big grocery bag. Um, this is a rematch of that game two years ago when Kentucky had the ball for 45 minutes, Tennessee 15 minutes, and Tennessee won the game. Tennessee does not have Hendon Hooker. Joe Milton, when he's on, can be pretty good, but he's on for about 20% of the gameplay historically in football games. I don't know if Kentucky has the offense to take care of Tennessee. Should be really interesting to see how this one goes. Um, and they should call it the whiskey barrel, the beer barrel, whatever whatever it was, they should play for that again as well. And finally, we have the Vanderbilt Commodores at the Ole Miss Rebels. Ole Miss is a 24.5 point favorite over the doors. Um, I don't know if it's going to be Ken Seals or, or A.J. Swan. All I know is he's going to have Will Shepard. They're going to throw the ball because they throw the ball a lot. They have trouble running the football, so they have to throw the ball a lot. So this is going to be an opportunity for Ole Miss's defense to get some explosive and get some turnovers, and it has a chance to get fairly lopsided. But here's the downside. As sloppy as Ole Miss was against Auburn, this is the sleepy game because next week, Ole Miss has just a massive game with the Texas A&M Aggies. And the week after that, they have the Super Bowl potentially with the Georgia Bulldogs. This Vanderbilt game is going to be a get-through game. You're hoping your talent just kind of takes over and Ole Miss is able to move the ball and score some points, keep Vandy off the board a little bit, and cover this line. This line would be 42-14, to 14, essentially. Um, not covering would be 38 to 14. 
So this might be a situation where you just take Vandy and the points and you ride with it because Ole Miss is just going to try and win this football game, and honestly, they should. They should not put any special capital on this one. They need to win this game, of course. But for that, moves on to the next two games, which are unbelievably huge. Anyway, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Remember, once we get to 5,000 subscribers, we will be doing a weekly live stream. Once we get to 6,000, we're going to do something else. Once we get to 7,000, we're going to do something else. If you haven't subscribed, please do. If you have, get somebody and tell them to subscribe there. As this number gets higher and higher, we're going to have some fun, honestly. We're growing like a weed right now, and I don't anticipating that, don't anticipate that slowing down very much. We got like 55 subscribers last night, um, so we're pretty fired up about the direction that we're heading at the moment. So I hope everybody has a good Monday, or at least as good of a Monday as you can expect. And always remember, this is the last time that Ole Miss and Vandy will be permanent rivals to where they don't take a year off every year. This this historic Jefferson Pilot game of the week, 11.30, which, by the way, they're not scheduled on 11 o'clock in the morning. That almost feels like negligence. It's going to be very important for the Ole Miss Rebels. Anyway, take care. We'll see you tomorrow. Hotty toddy.